Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 322 on today's pod. I'm joined as always by my co-host Prez, that is at underscore Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing? I'm doing spectacularly. The streets are telling me that uh, RJ Barrett is shooting 50% from three in FIBA, which means uh, I'm basically a prophet. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, that means... You need to hurry up and go to the Strickland's YouTube and watch my RJ Barrett shot mechanics video. Yes, uh, an 11 minute video stretched on about what, like a minute and 15 seconds of Instagram highlights this offseason? Give, right? Give or take. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a big part of what we do here. Um, but we are joined, uh, not first time guests, but first time in a long time. Her name is Caitlin Cooper. That is at C2 underscore Cooper on Twitter. She is the creator of basketball. She wrote a blog about the basketball played by the Indiana Pacers. Caitlin, how are you doing on this? Uh, I don't know how it's over there, but it's a very nice, pleasant uh, Wednesday evening over here in the East Coast. It's fairly pleasant. I'm happy to be back. I think I was on episode five of this show. I, and now it's episode 322. 322 that i'm glad i didn't sink it back on episode five and also i did watch the rj barrett video i watched all 11 minutes of that so thank you thank you for the glowing endorsement people can watch it to learn about rj people can watch it to go to sleep you know whatever whatever purpose uh i do have to make a few announcements the first being that the strickland has an instagram check that out that is at land on instagram we're posting all kinds of new content on there Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are and you haven't done so already, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That'd be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has merchandise available to you to purchase on our website. You can find that at the Strick.land. There's a link there to our store. We have t-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, even water bottles. Uh, you name it, we got it. Check it out. Again, that is on our website. And finally, the Strickland's Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There is a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland's podcast that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. The Doug Bag, alongside Dallas Amico that comes out every other week. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There is a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a... $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits like listening in a pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. And none of this would be possible without Bet Online, which is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest match reports for this year's NBA playoffs. Bet Online is your sports intel headquarters this season. We have you covered for all your insider sports wagering needs from basketball, MLB, NHL hockey, golf, to UFC, and boxing. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home 
Get into the action today, so head to the website and use your mobile device to join, and be sure to use our promo code BELIEVEAV to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts. Um, I guess, you know, we, we have to talk. There's only one thing that happened of, of note today in the NBA world, which is, of course, Josh Hart. No, it's actually RJ Barrett shooting 50% from three on four attempts. Um, no, it was it was Josh Hart signing an extension, four years, 81 million. Um, I don't really think there's much to say about this. I kind of expected it to happen, and I was talking to Caitlin uh, about this a little bit before we came on, but my biggest thing about this is, like, I'm, I guess I'm just interested to see if it's 481 fully guaranteed or if um, – you know, there's some incentives baked in, so it's actually like 475 guaranteed. Um, that's about it. Like the from Woj's follow-up tweet, where it was like they're finalizing details. I would assume it's more the latter than the former, but we'll see. Either way, I don't really think this is a surprise nor a big deal, and I feel like people, for the most part, I think the reaction was pretty positive, but. Uh, if you are like, holy crap, four years, 81 million for Josh Hart, just know that the, the, with the cap going projected to go up the way it is, um, you know, this is a contract that next year is opt in year. It'll only be nine and a half percent of the cap. Moving forward after that, it might be 12 to 13 percent. Like, it, it, this is not an exorbitant contract. I think it's a solid contract for him. Um, and, you know, the Knicks obviously traded for him last year. At the trade deadline, I'm assuming with some level of comfort that a payday like this would be coming down the line. But um, yeah, I don't really have significant thoughts on it. I feel like that's that's about it. I don't know about you, Prez, Caitlin, if you want to get some Josh Hart takes out here. Well, the only thing I'll say is um, I don't remember where I read the interview, but Josh Hart had an interview with the reporter a while back, a while back before he went to the Knicks. Um, this was when he was on Portland and remember when he just got traded to Portland, he had like a random streak of scoring a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just remember cause I didn't watch Blazers games cause they're a West coast team and I'm too old, but I do play fantasy basketball and Josh Hart was getting a lot of fantasy points out here. So it caught my eye. And then, you know, you fast forward to his next tenure and he was talking about, um, you know, like he didn't fit the plans in the Pelicans. And that was like an inflection point for him where like, it's not, I don't think Josh Hart was one of those dudes who was like not taking things seriously, but I think he did turn it up a notch and it was clearly the cause for a chip on his shoulder um, after his new Orleans tenure. So, uh, you know, he's come a long way from that. And obviously like what he did with the, with the Knicks was great, um, even unsustainable on a lot of levels. But it's cool to see somebody, you know, just put putting like the analytics and the cap stuff aside. Like people fucking love Josh Hart. Like he's the kind of dude who like he can't really shoot most of the time, and he kind of reminds people of like old Knicks teams that he's physical and he's undersized and all the things. You know, we're we're covering ground that is well worn here but it's just nice to see a fan favorite uh re-signed really because we we actually haven't had that happen that often in the last 15 years a fan favorite who is actually good who is rewarded for being good by staying on the knicks so it may sound simple but 
uh, I encourage Knicks fans, especially in the throes of a boring offseason where everything is hyper-analyzed, to appreciate Josh Hart and appreciate that he's going to stick around at least for a little longer. Yeah. Uh, And his weird tweets. They will continue to stick around for a little longer. uh, Yeah, Josh Hart, very, very interesting tweets about his thoughts on breast milk over the offseason. Caitlin, any thoughts on Josh Hart's extension or on Josh Hart in general as a player and any concerns you have potentially about him moving forward on this Knicks team? I don't think I have any concerns. I mean, he clearly changed things for the Knicks. He was a valuable piece. Tibbs obviously valued him by how much he was in the closing lineups. <laughs> but, yes. like, I guess my main question is there's just – there's a lot of wings on the roster currently. And figuring out which one other one will be in the closing lineup is kind of interesting to monitor, especially with quickly and Grimes potentially in contract years. Um, I guess that's my main take. Not that you weren't going to retain Hart, just – who else fits into the equation, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that is the main concern, and it's kind of why um, a lot of Knicks fans are expecting at some point, you know, the proverbial, the move uh, coming down the pipeline. But, um, you know, I think they'll still, I think quickly will get, get extended this summer. I'm not that, just the way they've done business is they like to extend their guys, and then if they're their guys, you know, like Cam Reddish was not, so much one of their guys. When um, that happens, are you going to weep? Are you going to celebrate? <laughs> Where are you going to treat yourself after I will, this momentous occasion? I've been saving a fine, fine scotch, uh, <laughs> aged twenty-four years for this occasion. No, I will. Uh, I'll probably do a podcast. It'll be great. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I think uh, I think that you know, and Ian Begley even said today, you know he expects them to get an extension done and that, you know, he doesn't feel like Josh Hart's extension really is relevant at all to quickly potential extension. And I like, look, Ian, when he, I think when Begley says stuff like that, he's expecting something to happen. So I would expect the quickly extension to happen before the deadline. We'll see. Obviously things can always change. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with you as far as like the closing lineup stuff. And, you know, look, we've talked about this all offseason we talked about this after the Knicks exited the playoffs um I mean we talked about it in the regular season because RJ just didn't have a particularly good regular season um but like I mean there were points last year where he was closing especially I mean after the heart trade there were more than one game where he closed with quickly and uh and heart effectively as the two and three um instead of RJ closing that was the most used one Brunson quickly Hart, Randall and Mitchell Robinson was the most used closing lineup after the trade deadline. What was their net rating? I don't have it in front of me, but then the second most used one was with Grimes in place of quickly. So clearly they valued having a shooter out there in addition to having Brunson and Hart and Randall and and Mitchell. So then it does bring the question of what does that mean for RJ Barrett? It's kind of more the person feeling the crunch. Unless his revamped shot completely changes things. (laughs) Who who can say? Who can say? (laughs) Who's among us? Yeah, I I don't even know. See, like, I guess where I come down on is, to me, it's not so much the shooting. As much as, like, yeah, if he shot well, that would be great. I think it's always more been more about the defensive stuff that you give up because when you have Brunson and Randall out there, you've got two guys that are just not going to be positive defenders. Well, Randall by choice uh brunson by 
just genetics, I guess. Um, but like, but, but RJ has just, he's really fallen off the, over the last couple of years defensively. And as good as Josh Hart is on defense, like you can't just have him out there covering for like three guys, him and Mitchell Robinson, like, Hey guys, just cover for these three dudes that aren't going to give you plus defense. So I think for with, with, I, it's really telling that quickly and Grimes is the more used one, or they were more used than RJ in those, in those scenarios. Um, it kind of says a lot to me because to me, I think that's about the defense and RJ's defense just has not picked up. And I was curious to see how he looked in FIBA today. Um, I feel like he barely played. I don't think it's really worthwhile to take too much from it. Other than the fact that his three point shot is completely. Um, fixed yeah. Forever. It's complete, yeah. It's fixed forever. He's going to shoot you. 40, 41%. Thank You're welcome, you, listeners. <laughs> thank you, President. Thank you, Drew Hanlon. Um, so yeah, like I just and then you know, I don't know how look, it is it's been hard to avoid it because because there have been no fun, cool trades to talk about. All we've gotten is like these little bits of slop to come out. And the ones that like came out about the Knicks anyway that involved the Knicks, um, were always about guys that you would be like, well wouldn't it make sense to include RJ in this trade? Like, wouldn't he be the major piece going out? You know, if it's Paul George or a Zach Levine, um, I, I think it's telling. Like, I, I do think, you know, obviously those deals didn't happen because whatever, probably the price was too exorbitant or to get those guys, at least as far as the Knicks were concerned. Um, but like, so he's going to get another shot here. He's going to start. We know that. So he has an opportunity, but like if, if we get another year where the shots kind of, yeah, you know, it's streaky, it's not that great. The finishing doesn't take a major leap or anything. And um, you're not getting the you, an uptick defensively. Like I think there's a move that's coming. That's involving him. Like I, I do. And, and I do think, you know, like I'm sure the Knicks internally like RJ, you know, I don't, that, I'm not really concerned about that, but at the end of the day, like, Leon Rose inherited RJ Barrett. That is not the guy he selected. That's not a guy he picked in the draft. That is a player he inherited. He was third overall pick. It's a player they chose to retain for sure. Uh, whether they chose to retain him so much because they believe in him or they needed to protect the asset. Um, that's up for debate. I mean, I think it can be both. I think they can like RJ Barrett and also be like, well, this contract has a chance to be really useful or one that we can move if we feel like we need to move it. Um, I think, I think can be, I think it's a little bit of both. And yeah, I, I'm very, very much, I think this is a huge year for him. Uh, maybe in a way that it's not even yet for like a guy like Quickly or a guy like Grimes. Like it just feels like this is a pretty big inflection point year for RJ Barrett. Um, given the kind of role he's been handed in his time in New York and, you know, the fact the Knicks were actually good last year. And um, if you're looking to where can they significantly upgrade the roster, where, what, what position can you upgrade? And, and that could have a really big change on your team, maybe on both ends of the floor. I just think it is that starting wing spot that RJ Barrett's currently occupying at, I, I, I don't know. I'm sure you watched the Knicks playoff series wins and, and, and played their playoffs in general, but Kalen, I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this because there was a lot of like, and rightfully so praise for RJ Barrett's improved playoff performance. Let's call it, um, which I, I certainly agree was better than what we saw in the regular season. 
But then, like, it's just so weird because, you know, RJ has this much better regular playoffs than he played the regular season, quickly plays horribly, or Grimes can't make a shot. And yet, when you look at all of, like, the lineups, like, they're still just better with those two guys on and then they're awful in the minutes that RJ played. And when you're just watching those games, it's kind of hard to reconcile. I don't know how, what you thought about um, RJ in the playoffs and maybe the Knicks more broadly. Yeah. I mean, I think in the heat series specifically, like looking at Barrett is the way that I measure spacing and shooting a lot of the times, no offense to Prez's video, which I very much enjoyed. On the <laughs> Let's just plug that one again is spacing is what happens when you're not shooting and how much defenders pay attention to you. You know, there's, there's 95 possessions per game. RJ is going to take how many threes, how many threes did he attempt per game last year? Like five? I don't even know. So seven. Yeah. Right. So the other 88 possessions matter a lot more. And like in that heat series, if he and Josh Hart were on the floor at the same time, their defenders were shrinking that space. I mean, it really is. I can't say enough positive things about what Jalen Brunson did in those two series and how much tight spaces he was having to wiggle through, especially in the second round. But that's where it comes back to is like in my head, like this isn't necessarily a bad problem because you can come up with scenarios where from Tibbs's perspective, it's like, okay, you know, you can kind of let the game tell you what to do. Like if you're against, you know, somebody like, Tyrese Halliburton, you're probably going to play Grimes because Grimes was, in my opinion, tremendous defending Tyrese and drop with Mitchell Robinson last year. So maybe you lean more towards him or if Dante DiVincenzo is having a really good shooting night, maybe he even gets in there because you want to lean on the high hand or, you know, there's different scenarios, but coming up with one where it's like, why would RJ Barrett play? Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, under what circumstances would it make sense to put RJ Barrett in the closing lineup? And really the only one that I can come up with is Julius Randle's having a really bad night. And maybe you want RJ Barrett as a secondary creator. Like that's, that's like the only one that makes a lot of sense to me, given the other construction of the lineups. Yeah. I mean, if, if Brunson's going to, Brunson's going to play, obviously. Right. Um, And if Hart's in there, and then assuming Mitchell Robinson, or I mean, the thing is, the centers, it's like Mitchell Robinson or Hardenstein, whatever. It doesn't really matter yeah. that much. Um, and Julius is going to be in there. So if those are like your four people, then yeah, it's, it is. I agree. And, and I think this is where like it's, it's, it's not, and Prez has talked about this a lot where it's like, you know, it's not so much that RJ Barrett is doomed. He's a terrible player, but it's yeah. kind of like one, like you're you're actually a good team now, so you can't always value like the long term play over right now. Like the right now actually matters at this point for the Knicks in a way that it hasn't mattered for the Knicks in I don't know, like a decade, something like that. So um it's it's a really tough balance and like I want to see RJ Barrett succeed as a Nick, but it does feel like, again, with those rumors that went around this summer, the guys they're interested in, it feels like they're there. You're looking like, you know, you're like, what, who's a wing that we can get that? Cause I mean, when we were r- rumored to be at least talking about Paul George, like I was all about that idea because I understand the injury concerns. I understand he's older. I get all that stuff, but like when he's healthy, he's a top 15 player still. And it's not just that he's a top 15 player. He's a top 15 player in a way that's honestly like perfect for what this roster needs, especially if Brunson and Randall are two of your guys. Um, he's a guy that doesn't need the ball. Like he, he can get his usage working off ball. He's a tremendous defender. And like, to your point, 
on the possessions where Paul George is not shooting the basketball and is standing off of it. He is a guy teams have to honor out there. Um, is he like he, and he does, you, I, I did see that you posted a very nice stat today uh, about Julius Randall's uh, isolation possessions, but let's just say, I think Paul George could fit into the Knicks. Very, very complex, sophisticated um, isolation, heavy offense. I think that he would do okay. He might make it less isolation heavy in certain <laughs> circumstances, depending upon how you used him. I mean, that was more so coming from a place for me that I felt like there was possessions in that heat yeah. series where, you know, you're posting Julius Randle in the high post at the elbow, and that could easily be like a DHO hub opportunity. And instead, the ball is just grinding to a halt. And sometimes you have to ask, like, is the ball grinding to a halt because the rest of the offense stopped? Mm-hmm. Or did the rest of the offense stop so the ball grinded to a halt? Like deciding which is the chicken or the egg there, I think is something that's gonna have to is gonna have to be figured out because it can't be that much isolation yeah, anymore. Yeah. yeah, you hit the the nail on the head. Like I, I think the the non spacing lineups with RJ and Hart contributed to that, and then I think both Julius and Tibbs kind of reverted to like their bad habits during that series. Julius with the just isolation ball and pouting and all that shit and Tibbs with like I'm freaking out let me put the guys who are trusted to get 30 minutes a game and a bunch of touches Josh, Josh Hart, Hart. Barrett, Josh Hart Butler, needs to play AKA 45 fuck, minutes <laughs> he thinks Jimmy Butler's fucking tra- prime Tracy McGrady and we need like as many 6 foot 6 or 6 foot 5 or taller players out there or whatever but um, I th- it, it'll be the thing you I want to go back to what you said Caitlin about the spacing um, because I, I'm going to go back on B-Ball Index and check through the last couple of years. So RJ's had the weirdest fucking, like, shooting journey, which is part of why I did that video, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's a bum his freshman year, or whatever, rookie year. And then, <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't a bum his freshman year. He was a very good player at Duke his freshman year. Um, And then his sophomore year, he shoots 40% for three, and next fans were like, remember, like, he had gravity that year, like, like he was essentially automatic from the corners and especially in those corners, he had like, like defenders were not moving off him by the end of the year. And then the next year was the weird year where he in the second half of the year had tons of usage because of the shit show that happened. And um, I don't know that his gravity was the same. Um, He started taking more than just corner threes and more than just spot up threes. Um, I don't think they ignored him, but I don't think they were that like like worried about him either and then last year they just didn't care about him so even if he was a even if he comes out guns blazing swishing and shooting very well like it's gonna take a while for swishing and dishing was right there man yeah but i didn't i didn't i purposely (laughs) chose not to say swishing and dishing because i don't want to put too much pressure on rj barrett i would like him to swish and dish this upcoming season, because he did neither last season. If he does either swishing or dishing, I'll be very pleased. Um, but no, like like Caitlin said, all the other 70-whatever, 80-whatever possessions, like, that'll take a while for this, for the respect to catch up if he decides to, um, if the ball starts going in, blah, 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 blah. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I do think... Ultimately, his the fact that he's still here is a function less. I don't think it really has to do with R.J. Barrett. I don't really think it has to do with the Knicks for now because I think it has to do almost all with external factors about like 
what deals are on the table, right? Like you look at the guys who the Knicks have been rumored to be interested in. It's OG Ananobi, Zach Levine, and Paul George. The Paul George stuff, we know the Knicks were interested, but not enough to put their chips on the table in a way that they planned on re-signing him for a max contract. That was confirmed. Um, and then later we heard that both the Bulls and the Raptors had very, 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 very high asking prices for um, their two respective wings. You know, whether you think that's prudent or not, I don't know, whatever, but like that's the situation. They were asking rightly or wrongly for a star package for those guys and the Knicks were like, thanks, but no thanks. So I think if there was a reasonable deal out there for RJ, they would have strongly considered it. Um, but there wasn't. And because RJ is young, they're fine just kind of with dealing with a lot of these questions unanswered going into this season. Like, how does he fit in compared to lineups that have Josh Hart or Grimes or quickly, like, or combinations of those three who are all unassailably better than him right now, right? So, like, this is probably one of the first times I would say that this front office has kind of been okay with a little bit of uncertainty in that type of way. Um, so in my opinion, their restraint has kind of shown flexibility. So it'll be interesting to see how long that lasts, right? Like the team is going to be good. Like we know with heart, with older and improved quickly and Grimes and Mitch and all these guys, like, I don't know how good they'll be, they will be, but they'll be good. So there will be potential pressure during the season to replace the weak link, which if he plays like he did last season is RJ Barrett. If RJ Barrett comes out a little better, even if the spacing doesn't quite follow, then they'll have a little bit more cover to kind of figure things out as they go. So um, that's probably one of the things I'm most interested in. And then the kind of, parallel thing that i wanted to mention to all of that is um you know to your point caitlin about like reducing the isos by just instilling some basic stuff like dhos right like julius ran like a thousand dhos with evan fournier back before evan fournier got banished to the negative zone and now there's no there's literally no reason they can't do that with quentin grimes and emmanuel quickly there's just no reason yeah, and I forgot about him. Yeah, exactly. All of these guys are And capable. Brunson, by the way. And Brunson. Yeah. They can do this up with Brunson. All of these guys are very capable, like, mini-movement shooters and handoff shooters and, and all that. So um, we know they install – Tibbs is more inclined to install new stuff between seasons than during the season. So um, I'm going to choose to be optimistic on this Wednesday and assume that he's going to – Add a couple of wrinkles, nothing crazy, no uh, Nate Bjorkman, no Nick Nurse crazy shenanigans, but <laughs> just a little something, something, not not over seasoning the chicken. And if he doesn't, I'll be very sad. Come whenever our games tip off. I think it was it was very nice of you to say that Tibbs generally likes to introduce changes in the off season, considering that is the only time that he uh, introduces changes. He does change the raw. He does change his like lineup once a year which we talked about, uh, which I find is interesting. He usually does it like 20 games in. Um, it's a relative but, statement. Tibbs yeah. change is a scale that can't be measured <laughs> against other teams and coaches. 
yeah, it's been very fun watching him like wrestle with his inner instincts as he uh, adapts to a league that is vastly different than the league that he was coaching when he came into the as a head coach, I guess, in 2011. Um, all right, enough about the Knicks, the boring Knicks, who nobody that listens to this podcast cares about. Um, we are here to talk about the Indiana Pacers, and for the next however many minutes, I am going to present an olive branch to Caitlin, and I am going to bury my hatchet against Tyrese Halliburton and have an objective conversation about him and the Indiana Pacers. Well, well, hold on now. Let the record show in the last <laughs> pod where Stacy and Schwinn ranked uh, about, I don't know how many, 30 or so rookie scale yeah. players. You ended up ranking Halliburton disturbingly high, if I'm not it was, mistaken. It was disturbingly high. I felt <laughs> very disgusting about it. Um, Almost like he's a franchise player. Yeah, it was very nasty. I took a shower immediately after, and I begged for forgiveness um, from for from all my li- all the listeners that I have that that were offended by my disgusting Tyrese Halliburton praise. Um, no, I look. I he he. I think I had him ranked uh, fifth. I think I had him fifth or sixth among all rookie sc- current rookie scale players. So that's the twenty twenty draft of the this past draft. Um, and I guess we can start with Halliburton because he is, he did get the big extension. Uh, that's five years, 207, but I think it can go up to five years, 270 if he makes an all NBA team, uh, if I remember correctly. But um, I guess like what, I think the last time you were on here, we talked about, uh, you know, I think I expressed concerns. I had like, Hey, can he up his usage? He actually did up his usage a little bit last year. He was at 23 and a, and a half. Um, the pull-up numbers were really, really good off the dribble for him. What did you see from Halliburton last year? And do you think that like, you know, as far as upside is just forget the passing. We know the passing is there, but as a shot creator and an operator in the half court, is this something where you're like, you've seen enough from him, the progress you saw from last year, where you think there's more to come? 